As we've been going through our sermon series on discipleship, we have focused on the ways in which Christ has given us a new identity in the gospel, and in fact, a new identity in our baptism. Today, Vivian died to the sinful flesh, and she was risen to a new identity as a disciple of Christ, as one who has been loved by Christ and is living in Christ. And with that, it gives us values that we live in this world and see that God has portrayed and wanted this world to be like. That is, worshiping and in community. And today, we move to our practices as disciples. And one of the foremost practices in our discipleship life is the practice of repentance. When I think of the topic of repentance, I actually think of a story from when I was in college. Um, My roommate in college was from Colorado. And so there were several of my, uh, I guess, spring breaks and things like that that I would spend in Colorado with him. Because if you grew up in the Midwest and your roommate is from Colorado, you're kind of a fool not to go to Colorado, if that's your two options. And so as uh, we would do that, uh, we would spend a week uh, skiing or whatever, and um, then we would, we would head back to Nebraska. One of the times when which we were getting ready to head back, uh, uh, my friend got in the driver's seat. I was to be the navigator, and we had a couple of uh, people in the back to throw in comments periodically. And we got on our way. We headed north, and then we took our, our turn and started heading east. Uh, we settled into the ways in which we always drove those long trips. If any of you have ever uh, driven through eastern Colorado or uh, western parts of the Midwest, you know that it is rather flat and dry. So we came up with a game that we would commonly do, which was whoever could count the most windmills and oil drilling equipment won. So that's how we spent our time. And as we were going on the road, eventually I, I counted way too many windmills and fell asleep. I awoke to think I was being a terrible navigator, and so I started talking to my friend. And as we were in conversation, suddenly his, uh, his words just stopped. And his face changed completely. Kind of the color just ran out of his face. And all he said was, I think we're on the wrong highway. We are several hours into our trip, and so we thought this cannot possibly be. We cannot possibly be on the wrong highway. And a minute later, a sign welcomes us to the state of Kansas. (laughs) Straight away, seeing the beautiful sunflower state of Kansas. Although this was, I think, in March, so it was rather brown instead. Well, you can imagine uh, the chaos that broke out in our car at this point in time. Now, you are probably thinking, one, I'm never asking Brad for directions on anything ever again, or that maybe this is not an experience that you have shared in any sort of way. You are probably more competent than Brad in college or a car full of college students, and you have never gotten on the wrong road or on to the wrong highway. But really, as we have baptized our sister today, we do have a common experience that on this journey in our faith life, or as the liturgy says, sojourners in this journey, 
There are many times where we have taken the wrong road. We have found ourselves on the wrong highway. And maybe the wake-up sign wasn't quite a welcoming to Kansas, but it may have come in its very different ways. It may have been in the subtle or harsh words of the Scriptures. It may have been in that small voice that comes after the thunderstorm or in the midst of the fire. But you found yourself on the wrong road. And you found yourself on the wrong highway. And looking to get back, having to decide, do I turn around and head to where I came from? Or do I try to find myself back onto the road that I needed to go to? Repentance, as we have described it in this place over the several years, is turning away from something and turning towards something. It's turning off of the roads and the highways that we find ourselves on too many times and turning towards God, turning towards Christ and His work, bringing us back home into the destination that we need to be going towards. We know so well the answer that Christ gives us when we repent. You, me, we know the forgiveness that is available. But how many times do we find it hard for ourselves to enter into a life of repentance? We find ourselves, after seeing this wake-up sign, sitting in the car, arguing amongst ourselves, it was not me that brought us onto this highway. It was not me who made that wrong turn. I was innocently asleep. in the seat next to the driver. So we find ourselves in the midst of our sin, portraying ourselves as always the victim, as always the one who is not able to own up for the ways in which we go. We find ourselves as the ones who are refusing to hear the words of repentance, finding it hard to even turn off the wrong highway that we're going down. Because once you commit, you must keep going. But we know. We know. The Word of God has come to us. In this baptism of ours, we have been put to death to such nonsense. We know that all fall short of the glory of God, and that includes us. That there is no reason for us to ever consider that we are ones who need to live outside of repentance. That is not me that needs to come before God. We put that kind of thinking away, and we know that when we come before Him, that we can stand there and we can literally say that we have been brought into the family of God by grace. That it is in this faith that we can receive such forgiveness. I remember the aftermath of seeing that Kansas State sign. I never have really felt joy at seeing any Kansas State sign. (laughs) 
But at that time, realizing that we were a good four hours away from where we needed to be was very disappointing. And so, as all good people do, we start to argue and and to figure out who it is that's going to get out of the car to go ask for directions. And obviously, it must be the person who is most responsible for this scenario. And so, the driver says it wasn't his fault, it should have been the navigator, whoever that was. And the navigator said it should have been the driver looking out. And where were the backseat drivers when you need them? Nobody could figure out who was it that actually needed to get out of the car and go ask for directions. So we sat there for 10 minutes in front of the Kansas State Visitor Center arguing about this until we realized this was a communal sin that needed to be done. We've stayed in our cars arguing with ourselves, unable to approach Asking and seeking forgiveness. Sometimes we still come before the altar and what is it that we have refused to actually do? Turn away. Turn away from those things that haunt us. Turn away from those habits. Turn away from those sins that seem to be the thorn in our very flesh. But upon getting out of the car and going into the Kansas State Visitor Center, A wonderful woman sitting behind a great reception desk looked excited to see visitors. (laughs) And upon hearing of what happened, without any blink of an eye, grabbed for a map, put it on on the desk, drew the direct line back to Highway 80, and said, this is where you will go. And you will even make it back before dark. Now, I don't know why, but it seemed to be that we were not the only ones who have made this mistake. (laughs) And for whatever reason, she was more than willing to give us the map and the road back to where we needed to be. She had been there and she had done this before, it seemed as if. And isn't it true that when we get out of the cars of our selfishness, our pride, when we get off of the roads that we keep destined towards, that every time we seem to find that God is there to greet us in the same way, with open arms, with forgiveness, and with the ability to tell us, here is where you need to be. She was a sight for sore eyes. And every time we come into this place, every time we open the Word of God, every time we remember this baptism, every time we come forward to taste and see, every time we turn back towards our Lord, He is a sight to see. Because there we find Him with His open arms. There we remember the words that He has shared with us. He is not slow in remembering His promises, as Peter said today. We remember the words that He shared with John the Baptist's disciples as He was in complete despair. The lame are walking, the blind are seeing, the poor are being preached the good news. It does not stop. And it has not stopped for you. That in this Christian life, in these troubled hearts of ours, In this repentance, we are brought back and forgiven. 
the Augsburg Confessions, our, our book of confessions of our faith, describe repentance in two movements. The first is contrition. And this is the one that we most commonly think of. The contrition, this feeling heartily sorry. I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all of my sins and iniquities. But the second act of repentance doesn't keep you there. It doesn't keep you laying in that sin, laid out completely. It doesn't keep you on that wrong road. But as our confessions recognize, the second movement is faith. Contrition and then faith. And faith is the expectance and the reception of forgiveness. It is the words of the absolution. You there in your sins, Christ has died for you and He has forgiven you. Go and sin no more. It is in that Contrition, but then this expectance and reception of forgiveness that we live a repentant life. Living a repentant life is living with the lens of Jesus Christ and His death and resurrection for me and you. Living a repentant life is living with the lens of Jesus Christ and His death and resurrection for you. Meaning that all things that He has ever touched in your life have now found new purpose, new motivation, new perspective, new meaning. And since we are the baptized people of God, there is not one part of your life that He has not touched. We got back on the road. I saw parts of Kansas I never wished to see. (laughs) And I saw a whole lot more windmills and oil rigs than I ever thought I'd see. But eventually we did make it back onto our highway. And I thought I'd never be so happy to see Highway 80 and its long stretch into the distance. Suddenly, those uh, flat highway roads that so often I tried to forget all over all those hours between the two destinations, suddenly seemed like a beckoning home, a way forward. It meant something completely different than it had ever meant before. Something that I had taken for completely granted, leading me back to the pristine halls of Concordia, Nebraska. (laughs) The repentant life is living with the lens of Jesus Christ and His death and resurrection for you. There are two examples, of course, in Scripture where we see two people handling what it might mean to live a repentant life. The first, of course, is the rich young man. If you remember the story of the rich young man, he he comes before Jesus and he, he describes himself as being able to follow all of the commandments. He was one who was able to live the righteous way. Is there any among us here that can make such a boast? Well, he makes such a boast. Jesus sees this and he gives him one instruction. And does anybody remember what it is? Go go and sell everything and follow me. 
And the rich young man walks away. But do you remember what his disposition was as he walked away? Sad. Sad and disappointed. To give up all that he has. He spent a lifetime building it up. Either it was his literal uh, material riches that he had built up. Maybe it was all of those spiritual uh, treasures that he had built up. I mean, after all, the knowledge that we must contain of, of the hymnal and our piety and all of that, that must account for something. Maybe it was the emotional treasures of family and friends. But to give all of that away... And then there was Zacchaeus. I think he was a wee little man and a guy that climbed trees. And something about him was that he was also a chief tax collector. And Jesus calls him down. You know the song, if anything. I actually don't. (laughs) He calls him down. Zacchaeus, take me to your home to eat. And Zacchaeus describes the ways in which not only has he given away half of his wealth, but he is going to give folds over anything that he had stolen or cheated from others. And Jesus receives him. Jesus receives him with joy into the kingdom. Much like he receives the thief that has nothing. Much as he receives the repentant one who comes before him. The rich young man was not able to see the ways in which Christ had even changed his treasure, changed all of his material, all of his family relationships, all of those things in his life. He was not able to see the way in which Jesus' death and resurrection could possibly ever change the meaning of those things. But Zacchaeus knew. Zacchaeus took on the eyes of Christ and was able to give all of that away. Because none of it could possibly compare to the riches that Christ could give him in eternal life. None of it could compare to the presence that Christ could bring into the midst of any struggle, any hold on that Zacchaeus may have had. None of it could possibly compare to the love shared by Jesus. Christian in repentant life. would be able to give all of that away because all of its meaning has completely changed. Our wealth has moved over from being just our own to being something that can contribute to the kingdom of God. Our life has moved over from something that is just our own to a life that is lived not just for myself, but for my neighbors, for my family, for my friends. My pride has been set aside for its meaning of nothing and being given over to a humility that is shown to me by Christ. Living a repentant life is taking on the things of Jesus, His death and His resurrection, and seeing the world through those eyes. It leads us to take the many times we are on those different roads There's many times we've been stuck arguing in the car. There's many times we even turn off the road that was shown to us forward. And hand them over to our Lord. The woman that day in the Kansas State Visitor Center 
made a promise to us that if we followed that road, we would make it back home before dark. The same has been said to you. If you abide in me, if you abide in this this repentant life and have on my death and resurrection, I will abide in you. And you will certainly be home. You will find your home in the kingdom of God. You will find it as a place where our sins are washed away, where our bodies are nourished in His sacrifice, where our joy is made complete in His love. You are going to make it home before dark. Because there's a day when he's coming back for these repentant sinners. And it's going to be like the dawn. Amen?